about, and, and you'll see this as we go through, and hopefully you've, you're prepped for tonight. Tonight we'll be looking at the first three chapters. Nice thing about this book, the chapters are just really little short, kind of uh, very on-point uh, bullet chapters, if you will. And they just speaks of a lot of practical application on ministry and being of service. Pastor Barney, I'll take one of those. Excuse me. So much so that as you go through the book, it almost, wow, it seems like a book written for those people that are in ministry. It gets right down into a lot of practical ministry application. And, of course, uh, it is practical for that. But I want you to be challenged tonight as we go through and going through our study that really ministry is for everyone. We're all in ministry. We're all called to be in ministry. In fact, um, the ministry of a pastor is to really ready uh, and prepare the rest of the body for ministry. I quote now from Ephesians 4, verse 11, speaking of Jesus, He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for what? For the work of ministry. You guys can see that, right? <laughs> Help me out here. Equipping the saints for what? For the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That word edify means to build up. If the body of Christ is going to be built up, strengthened, it's going to have to come through the work of ministry, the service that comes through those that are in the body. Right? For the body to be healthy, the body has to be functioning. If certain parts of the body quit, stop functioning, you have an unhealthy body. And so a church is, is healthy because the body is healthy and the body is functioning. And really part of our role as pastors and teachers is to equip you for the work of ministry, to give you the, the tools from the Word of God, the instruction of God's Word, and encourage you in the Word so, and encourage you in the things of the Spirit so that you will be equipped for the working and serving of ministry. So that's kind of our introduction. We'll get started tonight. We have three chapters to look at here tonight. Uh, the chapters are not titled, I don't believe they are, but uh, I'm kind of kind of pulling out kind of a main theme from each of the chapters here tonight. And the first one, we'll look at uh, chapter one, really ministry is now going to be defined, ministry definition. And in this first chapter, I just found a bunch of what I'll call nuggets, really good quotes from the book that I thought were uh, just really good insights into ministry, and hopefully we can look at those together. Uh, just kind of follow, follow with me. Ministry can be uplifting and exciting, or it can be burdensome and boring. So uh, that's, that's what we need to evaluate when we think about serving, when we think about being involved or engaged in any kind of ministry, whether that's ministry in your home as a husband, as a father, whether that's ministry as a believer in the workplace, whether that's a ministry in the church, functioning and serving and helping within the body, whatever God would call you to do, uh, if God is the one that's calling and God is the one that's empowering, then ministry will be both uplifting and exciting. But if you're trying to do something in your own strength, if you're trying to do it out of some sense of guilt or some sense of obligation or, you know, that you felt like maybe the pastor put pressure on you to sign up for something and now you're here but you don't want to be, 
I hope that's not happening. I, I, I'm not trying to put that kind of pressure on anybody, but then it's going to be burdensome and boring. So uh, if you're serving in any kind of way and you find it just to be really a, a bore and a burden, then probably you're not, you shouldn't be serving in that ministry. Either you're serving in the wrong ministry or you're not really abiding in the vine to where you're getting the, the spiritual energy and grace that you need to be effective in ministry. So uh, that's a way to evaluate kind of where you are and what you're doing. Because when you're serving the Lord, I'm telling you, it's exciting. When you're working and walking in step with the Holy Spirit, it is, it's what you were made for. It's really coming into the purpose of your life. And when you feel that, when you find that, when you, when you taste that, it's very, very uh, spiritually exciting and, and nourishing. And uh, we can keep going and growing if we minister the way God tells us to in His Word. His Word gives us principles, not methods. Methods are many. Principles are few. Methods always change. Principles never do. So what we look for in the Word of God are those principles on which to build our ministry life. And ministry is built on basic principles, not clever methods. And as I said, if, if, you're, if you learn to walk in step with the Spirit and apply the, the biblical principles, then you're going to find ministry a blessing. And you're going to find that it's something that actually grows your own spiritual life. And uh, another nugget here, God doesn't want us to have ministry by imitation, but ministry by incarnation. I like that. Where a ministry is not kind of just doing what you see somebody else doing, but rather it's being empowered by the, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, really Jesus Christ coming to life in you and working through your life. Uh, Philippians 2 and verse 13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. God is the one that's working in you and ultimately through you. In you to will it, God will actually give you a desire to be fruitful in ministry, and then he will give you the power to accomplish it, and it's according to his good pleasure. A definition for ministry. Wearsby gives us a definition. I think it's a good one. And it says this, Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Ministry takes place... And this is some of what we're going to look at in chapters 2 and 3. He's kind of going to kind of break this definition down for us a little bit. Ministry takes place when, number one, divine resources, two, meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And what we'll look at in chapters 2 and 3, a little bit more detail, are those divine resources, and then chapter 3, meeting human needs. And uh, I'd like you to turn with me to Acts chapter 3. We'll take a look at a little bit of a case study here, an example of ministry that we see, and, and just as Wearsby has defined it, we can see an example of it here. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, if you'll follow with me. I won't have this one on the overhead. You have to follow in your Bibles with me on this one. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, And a certain man, lame, came from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who enter the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him 
with John, Peter said, look at us. And so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. This beautiful miracle, one of the earliest miracles in the New Testament church, and it does give a little bit of a case study on ministry. And if we kind of pull out some of the points here that Wiersbe's identified and it kind of fits into our definition, we know that Peter, first of all, he knew the divine resources that he had personally. He said, I don't have silver and gold, but I do have something. I have the power of God residing on the inside of me. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who is alive, who has filled me and empowered me with the Holy Spirit. This is what I have. And he knew that he had a resource with him to meet this man's need. It was not of him. It was a resource that came from God. And he knew, but he had a personal relationship with the Lord. In other words, you can't just, you know, uh, use the name of Jesus like a magic wand. But it has to come from a personal relationship. You can't just say, oh, in Jesus' name uh, this, in Jesus' name that. Uh, Peter wasn't using the name of Jesus like a magic formula. Peter was speaking from relationships. Peter was speaking uh, out, of the, out of, the, of the resource that he knew personally. Number two, you see the human needs compassionately. They saw this man and they saw his need and there was something in their heart wanted to minister to him. And that's, that's part of ministry as well. It's always looking to meet a need. Ministry is serving, it's helping, it's looking to bring help, service into the life of others. And we see here that he became a channel of God's mighty resource. Uh, Peter was not the, the resource. John was not the resource. Jesus was the resource. In fact, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I have nothing to give you. But I do have this. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in his name, I command you to rise up and walk. And so he, Peter simply became the channel of God's mighty resource, and God alone is glorified. Peter could not take any credit for this, nor could John. Only God could receive the glory because it came uh, completely from him. So ministry, it's about availing your life to be a channel for God's blessing to minister to serve the needs of others. It's all about becoming a tool in the master's hand, a vessel useful to the master and to the Lord. Uh, looking on at chapter 2, Wiersbe gives us a little more in-depth look at these divine resources. And I like what he says here. We're to be distributors, not manufacturers. He alone has the resources. Let's turn now to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And again, I'm going to ask you to follow with me. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14, another uh, fairly well-known miracle in the Gospels. Uh, But again, we see something of divine resources reaching out in ministry. 
And, and we can see a good example here. Starting in verse 1, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have even a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. And now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to them, distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is come into the world. So what we see here is Jesus is the resource. The disciples, they don't have the resources to feed this group. Jesus even tests them. Well, where are we going to buy enough food for all these folks? 5,000 men, not counting the women and children who were there. And, uh, you know, the disciples, we have, what, are you kidding? We haven't got enough money. We haven't got to feed all these folks. But Jesus was testing them. Jesus was trying to get them to see something beyond the natural resources and to, to begin to look to him as a supernatural resource, a divine resource, a really important principle in ministry. God is not calling you to do it in your own strength. God is not calling you to manufacture the resources. I want you to go and and do this. Oh my goodness, how am I going to do that? Let me see, how much money do I have? What can I do? What can I sell? How can I get there? How can I make it happen? Immediately when when the Lord begins to stir us to do something, so often we look to the strength of our own flesh. Remember Moses. Moses, I'm going to send you to uh, deliver my people. Out of Egypt. Oh, no, Lord, I stutter. I, I, I can't talk straight. I'm the, I'm the wrong guy for this. Immediately he considered his own resource. He considered his own weakness. He thought somehow he would, how could I go and do this in my own strength? And you remember the, the exchange, him and the Lord. The Lord ultimately kind of became frustrated and said, uh, Moses, remember, I created the mouth. I can, don't worry, I'm with you. This, you're not going there on your own. You're not having to do this in your own strength or in your own resource. I'm going to be the one with you. And this is an important thing for ministry. Anything that God would call us to do, He is ultimately going to equip us to do. It's going to come from Him. You're not going to be able to do it in your own strength, and nor should you be trying to do it in your own strength. 
But so often we do. We have what I think is a good definition. We have a manufacturer mentality. Somehow I have to come up with it. I have to manufacture the resources. And here's what happens in the manufacturing mentality. Number one, you become overwhelmed. You become tempted to get rid of the very people God wants you to help. That's what we see here in John chapter 6, don't we? Uh, Some of the other Gospels let us know that they said, Jesus, tell these people to go home or send them off to the cities. Help them. Let them feed themselves. I find that so funny. You know, Jesus is trying to bring these guys up in ministry and wow, the people are coming. Here's the crowds. Oh, Jesus, get rid of the people. (laughs) You know, how can we serve all these people? You know, it's like wanting to, you know, start a church and people start coming. Oh, God, get rid of the people. You know, and that's often, even in ministry, we, we become overwhelmed and we think, oh, I can't do all this or there's too much or it's, it's, it, it's, it, it's uh, beyond me. And uh, we have to be careful not to become overwhelmed. We have to trust the Lord. Another, another thing that happens in the manufacturer mentality, we, we think it's our responsibility to come up with the resources or some clever way to solve the problem and meet the needs. It's not. It's not our responsibility. And it also produces uh, this, we're prone to depend on our own strength, our money, our talent, our own education. We try to come up with something in the flesh, in our own strength, to try and move ministry forward. And that just, I'll tell you, ministry in your own strength is just a lot of sweat and hard work. And it's not very, typically not very fruitful. And you do end up frustrated, you end up burned out, you end up discouraged, and a lot of people quit because they, they, they're trying to do ministry in their own strength rather than looking to the Lord. God's not asking you to be a manufacturer. He's asking you to be a distributor. The distributor mentality brings freedom and joy in service. Because now you're simply putting to work what God has given you and what God has given the grace to do. And well what if it what if it doesn't, you know, what if it just something, you know, just seems to be something small? Well then don't despise small beginnings. Enjoy be faithful in the small. You know, well I feel if God's calling me to start a Bible study, you know. But I'm afraid nobody'll come, you know. What if it's what if there's only two or three people, you know? Joy and freedom. Just be faithful. If the Lord's prompting you to do that, just be faithful in what He's calling you to do. You don't have to make it happen. How can we get more people? We gotta. Maybe I should, you know, advertise, or maybe we have to go out on the streets and you know really try to make something happen. You're gonna be you're gonna be in your own flesh and your own strength. I'm using that only as an example, but any kind of ministry, any kind of serving of the Lord. It, you need to do it in a freedom and joy in service. As these disciples, it says that Jesus distributed to them, and they then distributed to the people. Easy. Just serve the people. Jesus will give you what, what they need. Jesus has the resources. You just flow it to the people. Give them what Jesus has given into your hand uh, to make it useful. Freedom and joy. Secondly, you're not afraid of new challenges because you know God has the resources. Isn't that the way it is? God kind of prompts us. I I just remember my own ministry experience. You know, when the Lord opened a door for me to begin to uh, be useful in the worship ministry, 
Oh my gosh, that was so horrible for me, you know, to get up in front of people and play the guitar and sing and try to lead people in worship. I was just completely fearful and overwhelmed. And, you know, when the Lord, I felt like the Lord was prompting me to do it and he'd even opened a door, I was resistant. I didn't want to do it. I thought, I can't do it. And then I'd, I'd, I'd be in worship services and then there'd be somebody really good, you know, a real talented musician. I said, Lord, I'm never getting up there. I'm never, this person's now that this person has sung and led in our church. I don't ever want to lead worship here again. And there's that fear, you know. And, and I remember the Lord one, one night, there was a, we had a guest worshiper at this church I was serving. And he was a keyboard player and led the worship just beautifully. And I said, Lord, I can't do that. I don't have that kind of talent. I don't have that kind of ability. And I felt, felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of whispered in my heart. He said, that's, that's why you're useful to me. You know, because you know that you're, you know, weak. You know that you need me. You know that if this is going to happen, it's going to happen by the grace that I supply and the gifting that I give. And it's going to keep you in a place of depending upon me. And that's, you know, that's where he wants us. I think maybe a dangerous thing is when we have all of the talent and it comes easy and comes so natural and seems so, you know, uh, easy for us. That, that's, that can be a place of pride. That can be a place really of vulnerability where you begin to imagine that it's you and not really the Lord. So don't be afraid of new challenges, anything that God would call you to do. He's going to give you the resources to do it. You're not going to be frustrated trying to manufacture everything. And as, as we've said, ministering your own strength can be very frustrating. And finally, when God blesses the work, you're not tempted to take the credit or the glory because it belongs to him alone. That's the blessing of just being allowing yourself to be a distributor and not a manufacturer. Jesus said that the church belongs to him. He told Peter that, uh, I will build my church. He's the one that builds it. He's the one that sustains it. He's the one that directs and leads it. And this is, as I mentioned, for those in ministry, but for those that would want to serve in any kind of ministry, it's a very liberating truth to know that all I have to do is be faithful with what the Lord gives me to do. I'm not responsible for the results. I'm not responsible for things that are beyond my ability to manage and control. Those are the Lord's things. You know, uh, this is a kind of a uh, again a Calvary Chapel principle that that we've tried as pastors to try to really embrace. And again, some of these good practical ministry principles that have been passed down by Pastor Chuck and other good Calvary pastors. There's such a kind of a relief to know that this is his church and that he's the one that builds it. He's the one that will sustain it. He's the one that's going to grow it if it's going to grow. Whatever's going to happen, it's his responsibility. My part is to simply be faithful with that which he gives me to do. I'm not called to grow the church, build the church, make the church go. And ha- you know, What's your vision? My vision is to just follow the Lord and be faithful with what he gives to us. Let the Lord worry about where we're going and what's going to happen. I, you know, I can't control those things, but God can and He will and He does and He has. And it's very, uh, very freeing when you can be in ministry that way, knowing that, you know, 
I'm just serving the Lord. And the Lord brings the increase, right? One waters, Paul said, one plants, one waters. God brings the increase. You just do your watering part. You do your planting part. You do what God gives you to do. And you trust the Lord to bring increase. Again, one of, one of Chuck's sayings, when you strive to gain, then you also must strive to maintain. You know, when you, have, when you work and really try to get it going, then guess what? It takes a lot of work to keep it going. You know, you got to feed that engine. You got to keep that thing going up. And if and if you bring people into a church out of some kind of kind of hype and some high energy, you know, and now you got to now what? Well, we got to keep it there. We got to keep them interested. We got to maintain it. And it becomes this work of the flesh. It becomes this work of entertainment, this work of energy of man to try and sustain something because you've, you know, you've built it on that kind of human energy. And uh, better just to let the Lord do the work uh, of, of building and, and growing and, and sustaining. You just be faithful with what he gives you to do. And you are a distributor, not a manufacturer. And it really brings us to the idea of grace, doesn't it? It's by the grace of God. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Uh, we're channels of his grace. I like what he says, not reservoirs. So we're not supposed to hoard everything in our own lives. We're supposed to become channels of blessing. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. 2 Corinthians 9, and verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As God gives grace into your life, whether it be financial resource, whether it be some uh, ability or, or desire to help and serve in any capacity, as you, as you step out and allow the Lord to use you in that way, guess what? God supplies more grace to use you. And, and, and God will actually you know, expand that opportunity of ministry. He who is faithful in little will be made ruler of much. That principle applies in all areas of ministry. And I'll just say this, guys, and I've noticed this over the years. Um, there are some that just seem to, to get this, and they jump in and they start to, to look for ways to serve. And their lives are blessed. Their spiritual lives are alive and, and just vibrant. And then there are others who will sit in church some of them are very faithful. They come to church very faithfully. And I don't have anybody on my radar. I'm not thinking of anybody specifically. So if I look at you by accident, don't, I'm not picking on you. But I have noticed this. There are some who come, they love the ministry. They love being in fellowship. They love the Lord. They love the Word. And they, and they just, you know, they love, and you can see the Word working in their lives, oftentimes even in their own their own personal life, you know, you can see the change of God's work in their life. You see the grace of God in their home even sometimes. But then they kind of get to this place where they plateau. And then and they just they keep coming and they're still faithful and they're still enjoying it, but but they kind of level off. 
And sometimes they even become frustrated. And they'll, sometimes they talk to me and they ask for prayer. I don't know. I just, you know, and, and oftentimes I try to nudge them because it has to be the Lord. But I say, you know, have you thought about serving? Have you thought about getting involved in some small way in ministry? It's almost like the, the channel gets blocked and you can only, you know, get so fat on, on, on the teaching and on the, on the ministry of the word. I mean, eventually those, that, that needs to find a place of expression through your life. And I'm not saying this to kind of, get put, again, put anybody on the spot or make you feel guilty. You may be in some place where you're still really just needing to be nourished and to be restored. There may be, there's a time and a season for that. But there will come a time that if you really want to go forward in the Lord, that God will be prompting you to become useful in some way, whether it be in the body. Oftentimes it is in the body but also in other places outside the body. Certainly, as I mentioned, your home life, your, your, your work life. But God wants to use us, guys. God's, God wants you to become a servant. He wants you to become a minister. And part of the ministry of a pastor and teacher is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that's, that's what, that's, I'll tell you, if you can taste that, if you can just get a little sample of that you know that that first mission trip that you go down for a day you know and you come back and and i've seen this you guys have seen this some of you are in here tonight you know you come back and you're just like charged oh my gosh we were down there and we were ministering to kids and we were and we had a chance to do this and this happened and this little girl came up and i had a chance to minister to her this guy came up and i had a chance to pray with him and it's just like you're lit up why because you know that God used your life for his kingdom. Something of eternity was moved because you were a vessel useful to him. And just little areas like that, places that you can find to serve. I mean, the body, you know, it, it, it takes that kind of all-in kind of an of a, uh, attitude. All of us together, we're a team, we're a body. We're, and the men really should be the leaders, shouldn't we? Men should be setting the pace. Men should be setting the example. Uh, thank God for the women in our church. They have wonderful ministry in and through the body, but men are called to lead and really kind of set the model of that kind of ministry. And it shouldn't fall just on a few. It should really all of us should be looking for ways to serve. If you're frustrated, you don't know where to serve, you want to serve, you're sensing it, you're feeling it, you know what? Pray. That's what I would just encourage you to do. Pray. Because here's what I've found, that those who want to serve do. Those that really have a desire to serve, they do. They find some way. They may even make a couple mistakes. You know, that wasn't my thing. This wasn't my thing. Now this is my thing. But the people that have a heart and a desire to be functioning in the body, they find a place, they find a niche, and they do find that place of serving. And I think... Uh, that these are some wonderful principles. If you can understand, it doesn't have to come from your own strength. Well, you know, what, what can I do, you know? I don't play guitar. I can't sing. What can I do? I'm not good with kids. I don't, you know, and this is oftentimes what people say, you know. They begin, why? They're, that's the manufacturer mentality. 
I have to come up, I have to, oh, that means I gotta go start taking a guitar lesson so that I can, you know, five years from now I can play, you know, I can lead somebody and work. No, you know? I mean, I encourage you to take guitar and let the Lord, you know, develop that over time, but there's probably something right now if you prayed and began to seek the Lord that God would open up a place, something for you to be of, of use in the body. And I just encourage that. Don't look to your own resources. Know that God is the one who ultimately has it, and it's his grace that will uh, empower you. Finally, today, uh, tonight, we'll talk about what the third chapter emphasizes, and I'm, I'm saying that this is meeting needs. Um, we kind of talked about a definition. We talked about the resources And what's really the purpose of ministry, guys, is to meet needs. It's not just so you and I can kind of feel active in the body. That's part of it. There is something that happens to us as we allow the Lord to use us, but it's ultimately what God wants to do in the lives of others. That's what ministry is about. It's about helping. It's about serving. It's about making an impact in the lives of others. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So he really is our example and our model. Selfishness. Selfishness asks, what can I get? Service says, what I have, I give to you. Ministry is about living to serve others. I quote Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So this is the scripture that calls us to the mindset of ministry. It's looking out for the interests of others. As you're praying and asking the Lord how and where you might be able to serve or be of use in the kingdom, you might think about where are the needs? Where is there a place that I can be of service? Where, where, do, we, you know, where do we need that help today? Um, rather than envisioning what you would like to do, Although I do think God will oftentimes give you an interest, and I don't want to say that that's wrong, but if you're not sure what to do and you don't have a a sense of clear direction, then just ask the Lord to open your eyes to the need. Where where are they looking for help? Look in the bulletin. I don't know. What are they looking for? Where do they need help? When's the next event coming up? I wonder if they'll need any help setting that up. I wonder if uh, you know there's a place for me to serve there. I wonder, you know, just what the needs are. And again, don't look to yourself. You know, children's ministry. Oh, uh, uh, not good with kids. I don't think you know. Well, you're not good with kids, but Jesus is real good with kids. And so He may be the one nudging you that way, and He'll be the one giving you the grace. Uh, these are just practical thoughts for you. You know, as you kind of pray this through, ask the Lord to open your eyes. The needs are everywhere. And uh, you can, you know, not just in the church. I don't, want to, I don't want you just to think about in our church, although I certainly want you to include thinking in our church. But I want you to think about your life and the places that God has you uh, because that's 
That's where ministry meet, really, you know, meets the road, if you will, is out in the day-to-day life, included in the church, but outside the church as well. Look for those places where you can be uh, meeting a need, uh, relating to the needs around us. There are a number of different ways that we can respond to the needs around us, and our book identifies them. Number one, we can be blind to them and live our own lives. Just be completely you know, closed off to all of the needs around us because we're too busy living our own lives. We've got to be careful, guys, because you know what? We are busy. Our lives have their own challenges, don't they? How can I worry about helping anybody else? I, who, who's going to help me? You know, I got my own problems to deal with. I got my own drama. You know, it seems like I'm just trying to get keep my own life together. I can't be. I can't even imagine how I could be of use to anyone else. And there are seasons where you know that may be true, where you really do just have to let the Lord kind of put you back together, get your home stable, get your life kind of where it needs to be. But that's not. It shouldn't be your whole Christian life. It shouldn't be your whole Christian experience. There should be a time where, okay, I've, I'm growing, the Lord is working, and, and I, I think I could be of, of service. And so you want to start opening your eyes to the needs around you. Don't just be focused on you and yours and what's going on in your own life because the needs are all around you. Uh, another way that... Uh, that some respond to the needs around them is they actually, and this is unfortunate, they take advantage to benefit ourselves. And I like what Wearsby says here. He says, if we aren't careful, we can minister in such a way that we exploit the needs of others to get ourselves recognition, position, titles, honors, and privileges. True servants of God help others whether they get anything out of it or not. Don't use ministry as an opportunity to promote yourself. Don't use ministry as some way to kind of be somebody. Oh, you know, I'm looking for some title, looking for some recognition, some appreciation. You're not really serving to help others. You're really helping others so that somehow, you know, you will get some kind of fulfill, you know, notice or recognition. That's not a good motive for ministry. Ministry means serving. It just means helping. How can I help? How can I be a blessing to others? And so you, you look for ministry where, you know what, God gets the glory. Don't use ministry as something for yourself or some opportunity for yourself. Uh, that would be a bad motive. Uh, number A third way to relate to the needs around us is to know about them, but to do nothing. So in other words, we're sensitive to the needs around us. It's not like we're blind any longer, but I'm sorry, I, I can't help you. I see that need. I'm, I'm aware of the, of, the, of the problem. I'm aware of the, of the situation, but I don't want to get involved. I don't, I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to, because you know how it is. Once you start, well, then they, then they really look to you, and then you know, you, you know how it is. It's risky, isn't it? To, to kind of put your life out there, to make it available, to help somebody in a, in a, in a moment. And then, because you, you know, I don't want to, don't give them, honey, don't give them my cell phone, you know. Don't give them our home phone, you know. Let's just keep a distance. And we try to measure ourselves sometimes. 
And we've got to be careful. You know, don't, don't get into a situation where you know, but you're not willing to engage. So, no, the right way, the right way, of course, is to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? A sensitive heart, a tender heart, and uh, we're aware of the needs and we're asking the Lord, how can I help, Lord? What do you want me to do? I like what, again, Wiersbe says, we can't do everything, but we can do something as he leads us. And that's really where ministry comes together. Your, your heart is open. You're sensitive to the needs around you. And then you're asking the Lord, how can I help? Of what service can I bring? Where can I, can I meet that need, Lord? How, how can you use me? Is there a way that you desire to use me? And the greatest need in everyone's life is to be rightly related to God and to his will. And so I think that Christian ministry especially uh, should be looking to put grace into the heart and lives that we're looking to help. There is a blessing in just helping people in the natural. You know, there are a lot of good causes. There are a lot of good, just benevolent things that many do. Uh, and, I, and I think that as a church, people in the church, we should be engaged in those things. I mean, if a brother needs help moving, let's help him move. Don't say, well, I'll be praying for you. You know, that's great. You'll be praying for him, but he needs help getting his couch into the truck. You know, things like that. I mean, you have to step out. And, but, but in your ministry, look to minister Christ. Don't just, you know. Be physically available. Don't just, you know, uh, help with food or resources. Don't, don't just you know, kind of minister at the natural level and not use it as an opportunity to minister to the spiritual level. If we're going to help some, a brother move, then let's help them move and let's pray. And, 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 let's, and let's fellowship while we're moving. Let's talk about the Lord. Let's encourage one another in the Lord. Let's enjoy the fellowship that we can have together in events where we're helping one another. So it's looking to minister to the need, but it's also looking to bring Christ into the heart, into the situation, and into the life that you're ministering to. I want to encourage you guys. I think this is an excellent book for us, and I think it's an excellent time for us. Uh, And I don't know what the Lord has for our future as a church, but it, it seems to me, and I don't, I, this is just my observation, it seems like the Lord is continuing to work here and continuing to bring lives and families our way. You know, when I ask on Sunday mornings uh, for those that are visiting for the very first time, guys, there's, just, there's a lot of people visiting the church right now on Sunday, both services. I mean, not just one or two, but dozens of people coming through the church. And it's not by anything that we're doing. You know, we don't have any kind of program or special marketing campaign going on other than our big blue broken sign out there on the freeway. (laughs) Um, God just is bringing people through. So the Lord has put us in this conspicuous place uh, for his purposes. What does he want to do? What does he want to do in Monrovia? What does he want to do on this 210 corridor? That's what we should be asking, right? Lord, what do you want to do? And, and what do you want to do with me in the doing of that? How can I be a part of that? 
So I'm thinking, you know, just in the Lord's kind of orchestrating of our church, here we are now, we're talking about being a servant, talking about ministry. And if the Lord does bring people, guess what? People have needs. People are hurting. People are coming in with their lives broken, their families struggling, their hearts, you know, really aching. And we need to have ministers throughout the body that are that are loving on them, praying with them, serving them. You know, what does the Lord want to do? Whatever He wants to do, He'll be doing it through the body that He raises up here in this place. So I think it's timely for us to be going through these little, really, I think, very practical uh, applic- ministry application principles. I want you guys to, to take the time to read these chapters. They're just bullets, but they're nuggets. They're just really rich with good insight on ministry, motiv- you know, why, and just even what we've looked at here tonight. It's, it's really helpful. I'm finding it very fruitful even my, for myself. I've read this book, but just going through it again, is very. it's just, Lord, that's right. It's, it's good to be reminded of these things. I want your hearts to begin to open up to the idea that, Lord, Lord God wants to use me. And as men, God wants to use us to lead this ministry. I don't know what he has, but he's doing a good work in our midst. You're a part of that. Our lives are together in this. So I want you to be encouraged to kind of embrace these things in your heart. And let me just close with this. Some of you know this. But I'm telling you, when you allow the Lord to use your life, there's there's really nothing like it in the world. Um, you know, I've had some great moments in in, in a business career, and, and you know, I, I, there's some been some really neat vacations that I've had, and gosh, I've had business. You know, I'm not, I don't want to get into all that, but you know, I've had moments like, wow, you know, what a, what a neat experience. But I'm telling you, compared to those moments of ministry where I know God used me to make something good happen in this person's life. I'm telling you, it's like nothing nothing compares. I really believe that we are called to that. And that and that if you can just taste it and just kind of get into you'll get addicted to it. It'll just be like this is what I want my life to be about. And I want my life to be about serving Jesus and letting Him use my life in any way that He desires. Sunday morning, uh, had a woman. This one just stands out. I'm just giving you just little tidbits, but just to kind of whet your appetite a little bit. You know, we had our Sunday service. And as usual, I, I shake hands as people leave. But this one stood out to me because I just could see how God had used the, you know, just the words of the sermon. This woman came out, and she was just distraught, wanting to talk to me. And she, she had, I mean, she had pages of notes. I mean, I had no, she had way more notes than I had, you know, to preach the sermon. I don't know where she got it all, but she had pages. Oh, no, Pastor, I have to tell you this one part. And she's going through the pages. And when you said this, and it was about that part where, you know, let the Lord defend you. Don't try to defend yourself. You let the Lord defend you. If you were here Sunday, you, you remember that little moment, that part of the sermon. 
And she said, there's something going on right now, something that has just come up in my family, and it's a terrible thing. And she said, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't, I was just, I've been overwhelmed. But when you said that, and now she's got, you know, just tears are coming down. Now my tears are coming down. God spoke to me. She said, the Lord just spoke to me. And she read back my words, you know, verbatim. She said, that was God speaking directly into my heart for this situation. And it has set me free I am so thankful to have heard from the Lord today. And I'm telling you, I can, I'm good for several months now on that. <laughs> that, that is, if I, don't, if I don't get it right for, for weeks, I'm still, oh, but the Lord used me that Sunday morning. You know, and, and it's just Him, you know, it's His Word. And, it, it, and yet to hear it, you know, when the Holy Spirit, puts it into a heart. It just so encouraged me to know, thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this woman's spiritual life. And it, it changed her heart. It, it moved her. Yesterday, a new couple, uh, I, I think it was probably a single mom, she was visiting and she had a 13-year-old son with her. And uh, this is all, this is what goes on out in the coffee shop. That's where the action is, by the way, out in the fellowship hall. And uh, we're out there, you know, we're talking. And she's saying, oh, yeah, we really enjoyed the service. And the 13-year-old was there. He's a pretty big, big 13-year-old. And he's there with a cup of coffee, you know. And I said, oh, did you go up to the junior high? Oh, no, I was in the main service. I said, well, you know, we have junior high. He says, oh, I like it in the main service. I said, well, you know, you're welcome, but eventually, you know, you may want to, you'll see some people your age, and maybe you'll have an interest up there. And, you know, anyway, they were just kind of letting me know, hey, we really enjoyed the service. And the 13-year-old says, yeah, but, you know, this is the first church I've ever had a chance to drink coffee in. So I really like this church, you know. <laughs> And I thought, you know, hospitality ministry, there it is, man. Just even the little young teenagers. But, you know, it it struck me as kind of funny, and he was, but he was serious, you know. And the mom and I both kind of chuckled at him a little bit. But, you know, I've heard that so many times. People have said to me, you know, there was just something. I walked in, and I just felt a very warm reception here. Very comfortable here. I felt like people were, you know, genuinely, you know, caring about one another. I felt like I was in a, 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 felt like I was home. I've heard that, guys, dozens of times, literally dozens of times. I walked in and I sensed the spirit. I walked in, I felt the love. I walked in, I felt a very inviting and warm fellowship. And so, you know, just, just that fellowship, just that friendliness that every one of us can be a part of. It ministers and it reaches out. And again, we're not trying to grow a church up here. We're trying to put Jesus out. We're trying to show Jesus to whoever we can because we live in a dark time and people have hurting, hurting needs. They need Jesus bad. And we have him. We have the answer, guys. We have the answer to the culture. We have the answer to life. We have the answer to everything that man needs and is longing for. You can find it right here at Calvary Chapel, Monrovia, because Jesus is in our midst. The Word of God is valued. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. There's a sincere love of the brethren amongst us. I pray we never lose it. 
And I pray that it would just grow in us and through us. Again, I don't know what the Lord has, but I'm just giving you little, uh, little tidbits of how God is using our lives. God is using the life of the church, and you're certainly a part of that. And I just I encourage you, find that, that place to serve. Find that, that opportunity where you can, can you know, be a part of what God is doing. And uh, I think you'll be, you'll be very, very blessed. Let me close us in prayer, and then maybe we'll have one more song of worship, and then I'll let Pastor Ray come up and, and uh, tell us what's next. Father, we do thank you for um, what you're doing in our midst. And I, I think it's your timing now, Lord, to sow into the heart of the men principles on being a servant. Lord, I pray that you would help us first to be servants in our own home, because that's, that's where it begins. Help us to serve our wives. Help us to serve in our families. Help us to be servants, Lord, in the workplace, to be examples of Jesus, to be men of integrity, to be men who would display the character of Jesus Christ. But Lord, I also ask that you would help us to become servants within your church, your body, that you would open up doors for us, Lord, that you would kind of lead us, direct us, show us where we can be of, of service in the kingdom of God. Lord, if it's just being a part of the ministry by just being faithful to the fellowships, Lord, maybe it's a, a financial participation, maybe it, it's just coming and, and you know spending a little time here and getting to know and, and reaching out and, and expressing the love of Jesus in the fellowship hall, or maybe it's just opening our eyes, looking for needs that might be of interest, Lord, to you, and that they would become of interest to us. Lord, my confidence is this, that you're sowing these things into our heart because you want to bear fruit. And I pray, Lord, that you would help those men that are serving, may they be strengthened and encouraged. To those that are having a heart and a desire to serve, but are not yet sure where or how, Lord, I pray you would lead them and guide them and give them those first steps of faith to take and see what the Lord will do. And God, for all of what you're doing here, I pray that you would continue to be the focus. You would continue to be the resource. We're not interested in a man's program. We're not interested in raising up or glorifying men or the... Or a, or a church name, or, or, or who we are, Lord. We're, we just want to see Jesus lifted up and glorified in this place. Give us the grace. We thank you for what you're doing. And I pray that you'll continue to do a work, Lord, in our lives, in our hearts, in our families. Help us to be servants. In Jesus' name, amen.